Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some of the Cooler Jets podcast for us, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, the Jets did it. Pulled off the upset. First win over the Eagles in franchise history. Gets a 3-3 three and three at the bye, which a lot of people are saying was kind of what you were hoping for with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets did it without Rodgers. Uh, quite the game. From the get-go, I always felt this was the Jets' toughest matchup of the season. And for the defense to play as well as it did, for Zach Wilson to manage the game the way that he did, and for the the coaching staff really is who deserves a ton of credit to pull through with the late injury to Sauce Gardner, which we didn't even talk about on the preview podcast. A ton to get to in this game, but Michael, let's just start here. How good does it feel to be enjoying yet again two years in a row the Jets win a game and then we just get to soak it in for two straight weeks as they enter the bye? It feels great, and this is such an awesome win for the morale. I mean, the difference between where we're at right now and where they would have been if they lost is, is so huge. And, you know, that's not to say the season would be over or anything like that, but the, the difference between two and four going into the bye with, you know, another, you know, moral victory, like, Oh, we played a good team really close and all that versus three and three now. And you've got two really quality wins under your belt. You've won two games in a row. Now um, the offense is starting to, I was going to say get it together, but now there's there's a lot to work on. But um, Zach Wilson is showing some very reasonable progress over the past three games. Um, the defense is getting back to being the dominant unit that it was last year, playing great against great teams. Um, so, yeah, it's a tremendous, tremendous win for the vibes and the morale going into the bye. Yeah, and for those watching a video, Michael, you mind uh, just moving to the side so we can see your your background? Oh, yeah. It's wisely background. Oh, thank you. Those tears are so nice. For those listening, it's the photo of that poor Eagles kid. You know what? Crying I, Eagles I, fan. I relate we, to that. As we a, as revel a, in this because I, I immediately thought of that Bills fan who was sitting behind us. Oh, yeah. At the <laughs> the season opener. The one that I you shook his to hand. beat I was not, oh, I didn't, I was, He was just – all right. He was screaming, celebrating during Rogers' injury, so I was getting a little annoyed. I didn't – we kept her cool. It was a kid. I did make an ass of myself. But, yeah, see, then he was crying after the game, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I used to craft the games too when I was a kid, but yeah, this poor Eagles. I'm like, dude, you're five and one. Like, they're gonna be right in the thick of things. Um, you know, we have a lot more to cry because again, Michael, again, the Jets get a win, and then another stud player is going on IR, presumably with Joe Tipman. We'll yeah. see. They said it's a thigh injury. You know, you worry about a torn quad. You you tweeted out the video again. It looks like the MetLife turf monster uh, got somebody. Could be a groin. I mean, they said it's thigh. I mean, like I remember a Banacanda had the thigh in preseason. It was just like a bruise, and then he was fine like two weeks later. So uh, unless we have another surprise 
announcement like last week's pod with AVT. I don't think we'll have anything new on that by the time you're listening to this, but let's just hope it's nothing bad and that he's able to come back in those first few weeks after the buy. But let's just talk about the good stuff for now, Michael. Um, I don't know where you want to start. I, I, we, I like starting with Zach Wilson because that always seems to be what the, the main focus is on the quarterback, but I think it's the defense that really deserves yeah, all the, defense the sh- today. I mean, we could start the defensive side because I mean, when yeah. I went back and started rewatching this game, it was all defense for me. I you know barely what? looked at the let's, offense. I mean, I did look at it. Let's put a, let's put defense. aside, let's put aside the offense. Let's put aside the defense. Let's talk about coaching because Michael, this game for a second, yes, I thought you were gonna say, let's talk about special teams. Let's talk about let's the uniforms. With- no, they wore green and white at home. Yeah. Thank God. Uh, the Jets outcoached the Super Bowl team. It's as simple as that. The Jets outcoached the Eagles. I mean, they obviously, players deserve plenty of credit. They made some big-time plays. But specifically on the defensive side of the ball, because offensively they sputtered in the red zone, although they did move the ball. But on the defensive side of the ball, the in-game adjustments, yet again, a second-half shutout against a you know team that was NFC champion, was in the Super Bowl, will be making a deep playoff run again this year. A great team. If you were to tell me before the game that the Jets would dominate in the trenches, would have lockdown coverage without Sauce Gardner or DJ Reed, it just seems like Ulbrich had a great sense of things on when to call the blitz, what coverage to call. The Jets seemed to constantly constantly be in the best coverage possible for what the Eagles were, were running, and that's a credit to coaching. That's a, a credit to game planning. Um, I was worried because of the heavy rotation. I mean, they're playing Craig James and what's his first name? Something Hayes? That's how that's how little we knew of this guy. Camonte? Is it Camonte Hayes? Tay Hayes, right? Yeah. Tay Hayes. Look at that. He I, he got elevated on Saturday and I, I looked it up. I was like, who the hell is this guy? And I saw he was I didn't five even know. When I saw him in the game for the first time. I was like, I messaged you. I said, who is this? So great. I, I saw he's I saw he was a five nine. On our part. I saw he was a five nine corner podcasters. I know. Well, you know, to be fair, he wasn't even he didn't play with where was he during the offseason? Because he wasn't on the team for preseason. You know? I looked at he it after up. he was with multiple different teams. But right. the well, Jets I obviously see. just signed him like 10 days ago. I saw that he was 5'9", and I was like, all right, well, he's a backup nickel, so they're going to give Carter some more outside reps, which they did do, although he was back on the slot when they went to their nickel defense. Um, credit to those guys stepping up. Um, it was I, – I, I mean, honestly, I didn't know what to expect from this game. We said it when Salah got hired in 2021 that this defense, and this is part of the reason we didn't expect them to draft Sauce Gardner, was this defense can run without great corners. We, you know, you see how elevated it gets with elite level cornerback play. Um, but we knew watching Salah in San Francisco, especially that 2020 year where they survived a ton of injuries and had a bunch of no names playing, that you know if the defensive line is able to get some pressure, you can you can win with this heavy zone looks that the, that the Jets are giving with, you know. Backup practice squad corners, although I do think they deserve some props and made some nice plays. Um, but Michael, I just let's start with the coaching staff because I think Sala gets criticized a ton. Some of it I think is unfair, some of it is fair. Um, but this is for you know, as as clear as it gets, a coaching victory for the Jets. It doesn't happen too often, but the Jets outcoach a team and not just any team, one of the best teams in the entire league. So let's start with that. How do you feel about about Sala and company? hundred percent. This is the a really good example of a game where the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, like you said, because the Jets were depleted in this game. They had a lot of 
talent deficiencies they had to work around. And, you know, the Eagles were missing a lot of people too, but specifically, specifically looking at the defense. Yeah, they say um, that. We were down QB one, right guard one, right, right tackle one, cornerback one, two, and four, and five. Come on. Yeah. So, I mean, no specifically on defense, going in, I thought this was going to be a shootout. Um, I thought the Jets' defense, especially after Sauce went out, which when we recorded the preview, we didn't even know that. But you throw that in, I thought it was a really bad ma- uh, matchup for the defense. And we, we've we talked about it. We talked about it when the schedule came out this year, that the Eagles are maybe the worst matchup on the schedule because teams that have a great O-line that can quiet this pass rush, that's a tough matchup because the Jets want to win with four, they, win with four pass rushers. A mobile QB as well, another thing they struggle with. And they don't play a lot of games defensively. So if they can't straight up beat you with talent, that's the toughest matchup they could face. And the Eagles have great receivers. They have a great quarterback. They have a great O-line. So you take out the Jets' corners that can make you that can allow them to go toe-to-toe um, with their receivers. It, it was a really bad matchup. So I thought they were going to put up a lot of points. And then I like the Jets' offense, uh, their matchup against the Eagles' defense, especially with some of the losses that they had. Uh, so I thought this was going to be a shootout. But the Jets' defense – you have to give Jeff Olberg credit, and the the head coach talk is starting to pick up. I, I think it's legit. I think he's really going to be in that mix if he wants to be. Um, and this is going to be one of the games you point to as to why, because everyone who had to step up and play in this game defensively was ready. Whether it was Craig James, who didn't allow a catch in this game, had a big end zone pass deflection. Whether it was Bryce Hall for the second straight game. Tay Hayes coming off the street and and he did give up some catches, but even even the one he gave up to Brown on the sideline was, I mean, you can't really cover that much more uh, yeah. tightly than that, unless you're a six, three sauce Gardner and you wouldn't have just a more natural length, but uh, he covered that about as well as he could, but they were ready to play and everyone knew their assignments. The jets were very zone heavy in this game, even more so than they usually are, especially compared to last week, because Makes sense. you know with sauce last week, um, you know, Second half, they ran more QB spy to stop Russell Wilson. They played because they trusted their man coverage, and they really locked up when they played man coverage, and that's why they were able to uh, have a better second half against the Broncos. But in this game, you lose sauce, you lose Reed, you can't play man coverage against A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. They play a lot of zone, but obviously the risk of that is you think, like, okay, now they're just going to dink and dunk on us the whole day. But they didn't do that because the communication and the chemistry and just passing stuff off, everyone being in the right place was so on point the whole game, which you don't expect from a patchwork secondary with two practice squad guys in there, a backup, but it was. And that's undrafted a free the coaching agent, staff. Safe, Un- undrafted free agent, safety. So like everyone in the mix who had to play in this game knew their assignments. They passed things off great. Olberg had the right play calls to uh, stop Philly's coverages. And I, I feel like Philly... You know, they really tried to exploit the the losses in the Jets secondary. They were way more pass heavy than they usually are. Yeah. And they didn't have to be. You I know, know the injury leading... kind of worked to their advantage a little bit in the sense that the Eagles I wonder took them if out Sauce... of their, their ways. Well, and if Sauce yeah, and DJ usual. were healthy, maybe they would have tried to be more aggressive with the running. But I the Jets had the answer for the running for, for their rushing attack. I mean, or I think it was Chris Sims was talking about how they just loaded the box a ton and gave negative uh, run looks. And so either Hertz is checking it into a pass play or it's just designed a pass play. And a lot of times those guys drop back into coverage. Um, but if not, I mean, they were aggressive in filling those gaps. Quincy Williams has made that huge leap and him and Mosey are great run defenders. 
I think Jermaine Johnson deserves a ton of credit too. He's really come on strong. I mean, we know the type of run defender that he is, but the last two weeks he's been wrecking havoc as a pass rusher. Your guy, Bryce Huff, you've been calling for it for like three years yeah. now, is finally getting, I guess two years, is getting, what, I think he had 50% snap share? Yep, 50%. Highest of his career. So what do you kind of make of some of the adjustments that they made in terms of their rotation? Some of it was just by injury, but it seems like the defensive line rotation, they've really made some changes the last few weeks. Well, yeah, and uh, to go off what you said about, you know, maybe the injuries changed the Eagles' plan, I I think it did kind of work to their advantage because the Eagles' run game is what they thrive on, and obviously they can throw the ball, but it it's based off the run game first. They're one of the few teams I would call a run-first team, but in this game... Hertz throws 45 times with two sacks and they only had, if you're talking about only carries to the running backs, they only had 14. Obviously they had a few Hertz runs in there, but there was no need for them to do that leading the whole game, but they wanted to exploit the jets and the jets had the, the answers to it. And one thing that did definitely affect this game was Lane Johnson going out in the first quarter, first drive of the game undoubtedly had a huge effect because Jack Driscoll came in after that Bryce Huff beat him up. The whole game and Bryce Huff is great, but I'm assuming if Lane Johnson were in there, it would probably be a little bit less at least. So that was definitely impactful. But the pass rush came to play. Huff had another another amazing game. Uh, Jermaine Johnson now has had two great games in a row. I mean, forcing two interceptions in this game with a QB hit, forcing the pop up to Bryce Hall, and then sniffing out that screen. That that was an incredible play. Oh my I mean, god! You rewatch that and how quickly he decides to pull out out of that rush, go to the opposite side of the defensive line, run past three offensive linemen to go make the hit on that screen and pop it up for Quinn to pick it off is insane. And I think that was, that was just pure film study because that's one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen. <laughs> is that hyperbole? Yeah. I mean, I know because like you look at it again, like it's so quick. He immediately knows to go over there. There's nothing he sees that could tip it off because the moment he decides to, make that pursuit it looks like a normal pass play because obviously at some point the offensive linemen are going to let the rushers in and they're going to start leaking out to block but at the moment he does it they hadn't done that yet i think it is a thousand percent he saw the look and the alignment the formation he considered the personnel down distance all that stuff and he said i know it's coming here and i look back at previous tight end screens the eagles have thrown this season to see if there's anything like that that could have tipped him off and they did run Pretty much the exact same play. There are some slight differences, but ultimately the exact same play against the Bucks in week three, a screen to Dallas Goddard with many things that could have tipped him off. Same personnel, alignment, part of the field, distance to go. And I really think it's just him knowing what's coming based on film study. So Jermaine Johnson, these last two games, really standing out and just showing the damage that he could do, even if he isn't the most polished pass rusher of all time to the extent of a Bryce Huff but just with this pure he's getting there motor, his he's getting there though that is the thing we're seeing more of it these past two games I mean the uh the hit he had to force the Bryce Hall interception he went for the cross chop didn't really hit it but then he throws in a hump move stops his momentum throws the lineman spins him around and got in there so he's starting to put a little bit more finesse in there but even if that's not like tip top just with his length his motor his speed and the instincts that he showed with the screenplay, he's just a playmaker all over the field for, uh, from that edge position. So he's been great these last two games. Um, Quinnen, I think, I don't care that he is half sack this year. He's 
even more dominant than last year in terms of how consistently he's getting pressure. And he had some big pressures in this game. Uh, so really the whole pass rush stepped up and that's what they needed. And, you know, maybe Lane Johnson getting hurt is a part of it, but the Eagles still have a bunch of other studs in that offensive line who they were beating up the entire game. So they needed a huge game from the pass rush to overcome those secondary injuries. And they absolutely got it. And then you couple that with the back end, just how disciplined and sound they were, how prepared they were because of the coaching and then credit to the players, of course, as well for, for being ready and, you know, putting in the work and the preparation. Uh, it was just a masterclass of defense in this game in, in, in every sense. Yeah. I mean, look, we've been high on this Joe Douglas, Robert Sala era of football. And look, I mean, the, the, it's not like the numbers are amazing with, as with Joe Douglas as a GM or Robert Sala as a head coach, they've lost plenty of games. They've made some bad decisions. It's not perfect. It's undeniable that this era of jets football is better than the last and the last few ones up until probably the Rex year. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of things to criticize, but the last two years of jets football have been more fun than every other jets season since 2010 you know low bar but i think that the jets coaches and personnel and honestly all the way up to ownership outside of this turf debacle we'll get into i guess later in this podcast um but the transformation that this team has made over the last three years is unreal and i think Sala's coaching staff just deserves we don't talk about it enough but their ability to develop talent is different than anything we saw under rex under Bowles, under gase um, but you look at like that 2020 draft class from Douglas is a good example, which isn't a great class. They had some misses. This was the last draft class of Adam Gase. But you look at guys like Bryce Hall, look at guys like Becton, hell, even Ashton Davis, talented players that probably fell out of favor with this coaching staff have been developed this season and they're making an impact. I mean, especially Becton looks like a stud left tackle. Obviously, the health is always going to be the big concern with him that, you know, he was kind of already like, um, he was already a good a player as a rookie, but they deserve credit for how they've developed in the last two years and and getting him to focus more on his body and his rehab and the shape that he's put himself in. Obviously, Beckton deserves all the, a lot of credit there too. But Bryce Hall, as Sala said, is a guy who was a starter, lost his job. The organization goes out and pays DJ Reed and drafts Sauce Gardner in the top five of the draft. He loses his job, sits on the bench the entire year last year. But he found a role for himself on special teams. He's stayed consistent with his work. And he's ready. When, when his number was called, he's risen to the occasion. And then there are guys like Quincy Williams that they've developed, Tony Adams, an undrafted free agent that they've developed, Bryce Huff that they've developed, John Franklin Myers that they've developed. I mean, this coaching staff has really done a nice job of developing young, talented athletes. The personnel department does a good job of, of finding these guys that have the traits that they're looking for. Clearly, this Jets defense has prioritized length and speed and power. And this coaching staff, between Tony Odom, Ruddy, the linebackers coach, White, White Cotton, the uh, defensive line coach, Ulbrich, Sala, all those guys on the defensive side of the football just deserve their flowers. And I think this game was a was a one that really highlighted it. So I just wanted to make sure we we talked about uh, kind of their development the last few years. Um, I don't want to get to the offense just yet. I know there's plenty to talk about with the offense. Oh, you know what? I guess just because I alluded to it, what are we going to do about this turf? It's giving me a heartache or a heart attack every time yeah. I'm watching a game. I thought I thought Garrett was going to blow out his you-know-what when they showed the replay. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I thought he was done. <laughs> I thought he was done too. Quincy Williams went out of the game earlier with the knee that's kind of been bothering him all season, although he returned. Tipman did suffer something relatively serious because of the turf. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't know how much they can really do during the season. I don't think 
excuse me, I don't think they can really make any changes, but it's just, I, I don't, I, honestly, I guess there is nothing else to say outside of, I guess that's just failure on the ownership. It's failure on the Giants ownership. I was reading that they did try to have grass earlier. I don't know if that was the old stadium or the beginning of this stadium, but they've had issues with the plumbing and the drainage because they're in a swamp and God, who knows what it is, but they have to fix it because I think it's probably fine dry, but all the major injuries we've seen have come when the turf gets wet and it's rained every single home game this year outside of the chiefs game. That's really, we've really seen it pop up. So I don't know if you have anything on that. I just figured we should, we never talk about the turf, but it is kind of a big storyline this year. Yeah. I mean, it's, hard to find something to say because you know what <laughs> what suggestion do we have to make it better the, the only thing we could None. say is that is make the observation that it's an issue that needs to be addressed because especially this Tidman one i think is interesting and you let me know if you agree on this but i think the fact that it happens right on the logo because if you look at it it's like yeah. the first or second step as he's dropping back into his set on the logo where it just kind of gives out on him you could tell he reacts and he goes down and grabs his quad or his thigh. Um, I think that's kind of you know troubling because you know that's a part of the field that you know it's a might big part of the field change more frequently than other parts of the field. You know, maybe be more liable to having an issue like that. Like, don't you agree? The fact that it's well, on the logo. So different. The turf is different than last year, and the fact that it's like the end zones aren't just individual pieces that they rip out. All of it's paint from the logo to the end zones. It's just paint. They're not taking parts of the field out anymore. And so that's why they were able to do the midfield logo. It's the same thing that the Chargers and Rams do. They'll, they have like some sort of chemical solution and then they have like a scrubber and they just clears the paint right off and then they repaint it. Um, but I agree with you. I mean, the logo is big. It's right in the middle of the field. I think Lane Johnson's injury was on the logo too. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a bit of a nightmare every time they play here, especially when it rains. I'm just like, oh God, please. Nobody get injured. Like you said, there's nothing really we can say about it. So I don't want to spend too much time on the negative, but they have to make a change this, you know, this off season. And then of course they'll put in grass and it'll be a disaster and it'll be even worse. So there's always something to complain about, but regardless, the jets have another win and yet another serious injury. And this time again, from the MetLife turf. Um, although I guess AVT's injury was grass. I mean, injury is just part of the game. I think again, tying that back in with the earlier point, coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for the mentality that they've instilled in this team. I mean, this team clearly knows how to, to respond to adversity. I mean, from the first series of their first game, I mean, I do think of back to Salah's hard knock speech talking about how it's like climbing Mount Everest. Like we made it to base camp, but it's going to get really effing hard from here on out. And boy, was he right. And this team knows how to respond when they get punched in the mouth. I mean, I think that's just a direct credit to coaching. I mean, I know you were talking about how like the players sound kind of angry on Twitter and they, they clearly have this, this mentality of us versus everybody. And it's working. It's working. And I do think back to Mosley talking about the last time the Jets played the Eagles in 2021, how they did not respect the Jets. They were, you know, basically treating the Jets like an XFL team and how that really got onto Mosley's skin. I remember reading that two years ago, and then I think Rosenblatt brought it back up um, for this game. But the Jets were talking their shit in this game. I mean, you look at Brees Hall, he ran angry towards the, that entire second half. He was angry. And he played like it. And the whole defense plays like it. Quincy Williams just flying around and that uppercut. God, I'm worried about him throwing out his arm doing it. Uh, honestly, all the celebrations. Because even on the, the near pick six by Tony Adams, if you watch, uh, Mosley and Quinnen go run and to celebrate with him. I love the energy. love the enthusiasm. It's all Hackett's thing. Like, got to celebrate with our teammates. But 
Mosley steps on Quinnen's cleat and they both fall over. And I'm like, can you imagine if we were celebrating the game changing pick and we lose two of our defensive captains like that? So maybe, maybe cool it on these celebrations just a little bit, but um, I guess it's just kind of a culture question. We can dive into the offense and I'm sure other stuff will come up, but just in terms of, of their ability to develop their ability to respond to adversity, the game planning, this to me was the, was the premier Robert Sala, Joe Douglas game. So far, I guess also Joe Douglas beating his former team. I didn't even think about that. So yeah. last thing on, on the coaching and, and GM, and then we'll move to the offense. Yeah, I mean, with the celebrations, I definitely noticed that, <laughs> I think. you know, I know Hackett promotes celebrations too. Like, let's just be safe with our celebrations as, as much as we can. Yeah, you didn't like Becton um, pointing in the middle of the play either. I like that. That, that, that was interesting. I, I, I think it's cool. I like the confidence for sure. I think that's a, a big takeaway. And I know, like you said, that's probably – one of the best things that Hackett has done is kind of instill some confidence back in some of these guys who really need it. I think yeah. you could see that. So, so that's good. Sure. But With Zach. I, don't, I don't know. Pointing, pointing in the middle of the play, like the play is still going on. Like just finish the play. I don't know. That's yeah. Like, like Hackett, bit. so not to cut you off, but like Hackett deserves, and we're going to get into it in a second, plenty of criticism for some of the red zone play calling, but he clearly relates to the players a lot better. And I, you could tell that. I don't think we brought it up, but when him and Beckton were running off the field last week and you just see how energized Beckton looked, like he's clearly a coach that has reached Beckton and, and Beckton might even credit for helping him turn back into the player that he, that he knows he is. And Zach Wilson, same thing. I mean, even when he ran out of the tunnel for this game, maybe we're reading into too much, but I could just see he seems a lot more confident. He seems like he's back to having fun. It doesn't seem as serious for him. He's smiling and – Look, small things, he could throw three interceptions and we could all be panning him again. But I do think Hackett deserves credit for building up some of these players' mental and their confidence. Because this is a a tough market to play, and clearly last year some guys mentally let it get to him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think with Mike LaFleur, that was one of the bigger issues. You didn't really get that relatability factor with him. So, you know, maybe he was a good schemer. I think in some ways he was over-criticized because of the bad quarterbacking and personnel issues. Like, you know, there were a lot of plays last year that should have been made that were schemed well. So, but I think it's a lot more than that um, when it comes to coaching, especially when you're one of the higher level coaches, like an offensive coordinator. Um, it It's important to be able to have that connection with the players to be able to communicate the information so they can execute it well. So I think that contributes to the execution level is how well can you connect with the players and, teach that information and i think hackett has done a nice job of that but you know at the same time as when we get into the offense there are still some yeah let's do it things that need to be ironed out but i i, I do have a couple more things to say about the defense before, oh yeah okay we're getting into the offense give a little bit more credit to them but let's talk about these linebackers i mean best linebacker duo in the league i think it's pretty fair to say yeah, that at this point definitely right i think quincy right now no milano because he's injured I'd still probably give Fred Warner the top spot just because he's been doing it for so long and he's having a great year. But I think Quincy's an all-pro linebacker. I think he's number two in the league right now. And then Mosley, you know, maybe has some yeah. limitations in coverage and athleticism, but he's clearly the smartest guy on the field and does a lot in terms of helping the Jets get lined up, recognizing stuff he sees on film. He's a leader. I, I agree. I think the best linebacking duo in the league, which isn't something we were really talking a lot about entering the season. In fact, I think some of us felt like that could be the potential weakness of this defense is if Mosley takes a step back from the age and the athleticism and Quincy still makes some of the mistakes that he had been making in terms of filling gaps and just kind of the other, you'd have a big explosive play and then a big letdown of a play. 
I think we kind of felt like, and then they let Quan Alexander walk in free agency and they're going to replace him with Jamie and Sherwood. So we were kind of worried about the linebackers, but like you said, I think it's best linebacking duo and football yeah. and Sherwood. I, he did a couple of nice plays today as well. Yesterday. Yeah. And, and Quincy, like I've legitimately, I, I agree with you. I think he's right up there in that, you know, give it to Fred Warner, of course, just because of um, what he's been able to build up over the years. But I mean, he's in that conversation as the best linebacker this year. I mean, the numbers are there, but just watching him, it's the efficiency that he plays with that he hasn't played with in the past because he's always had the tools, but it was just, you know, the big plays would come at the cost of a couple missed plays. But now it's like every, it feels like every time he's coming downhill to make a play, whether it's in coverage in the flat or if he's going through the gaps to make a run stop, that pursuit angle is always on point. The timing is on point. It feels like everything he does is just really calculated and precise. And so you couple that with the tools that he has, that's how you get a superstar linebacker because he can get from point A to point B faster than everyone else. But it's, you know, can you time it well? Can you have the right angle um, to be able to make the play rather than, you know, taking yourself out of the play too fast? Because sometimes when you're fast, it just means you take yourself out of the play faster than anyone else but yeah. now he's making the plays faster than anyone else so that's the biggest thing uh he's the most total stops among linebackers so those are tackles that are you know actual quality tackles so you know we're taking out like 20 yards down the field or you gave up a first down things like that tackles short of the sticks that are a win for the defense he has the most of those in the league his missed tackle rate he only has four missed tackles the whole season Jeez. so with all the tackles he's made that's for that's great for any player, but for Quincy Williams, who's missed a lot of tackles in his career, that is such massive improvement. And in coverage, he's only given up seven yards per reception, which is one of the top rates for linebackers. So in all facets, he's taken such huge leaps this year. He's playing awesome football. And I think Mosley's been uh I don't I want I will say better than last year. I think he's been more consistent and he had a good year last year, but um I think he's getting closer to being like the star version of Mosley, which, you know, you didn't really expect. You would figure he'd be more likely to go down at this point. But I think he's been really consistent. He made, uh, you know, the big punch out in this game with the fumble. Um, he had the, another playing coverage where he forced an incompletion. So the linebackers have been great. And then Sherwood had a huge play late in this game, too. It was very subtle, but a big play in the moment. The play before Tony Adams made the, that interception, the second and nine play, they stuffed I think it was Swift for one yard. So to set that play up, make an a passing situation, have the interception. Sherwood on that play was put in a tough spot. He could have there's a pulling guard or guard or center, I forget who it was, but someone was pulling. He could have shot inside, tried to make the play himself, um, and then just let the runner get free. But he stayed disciplined. He took took on the block, strung it out to the edge, forced the runner back inside, and there was Quincy with the big play coming from behind. So again, that's just a testament to coaching. The fact that they have everyone, whether you're the star, the star of the team, a starter, or if you're just a backup, everyone's ready to execute their role on this defense, it feels like. So Sherwood has not played a lot in that role this year. They've, you know, used that third linebacker much less than they did with Quan. They've been doing more three safety instead. But I feel like when Sherwood's played, he's done a nice job and he came up big in a huge spot there to set up the biggest play of the game. So that was a really sneaky key play from Sherwood there um, but the linebacker play has been awesome for sure and then Tony Adams talk about Tony Adams I mean yeah the interception not the hardest interception of all time but you give him credit for you know being there making that play of course but even in addition to that he had a great game 
you know, the Eagles are trying to make plays downfield, exploit this Jets secondary with their losses, but he was right in the middle of all that good coverage, being in the right place at the right, uh, the right time, passing things off. And that was the only time he got targeted the whole game out of, uh, he, he played every single defensive snap. So he was holding his own. He didn't miss any tackles. He had six tackles. He had a tackle for a loss in the run game. Um, it didn't end up mattering, but he had a really good chase down on AJ Brown on that big reception that he made. Yeah. Um, so the really good game for Tony Adams. I mean, first three games, he made some mistakes, um, but it's important to remember this is a guy who, you know, he won the starting free safety job, but second year, he only played two games last year, really. Um, only three starts at the beginning of this year. He's a young player. He needs some time. So some growing pains early, but this game was, I think, a very good example of what the Jets saw on him to, you know, put their chips in on him as the starter, despite, you know, him being so young, he didn't even really have to compete for this job. Um, but this is what they saw to, you know, make him the starter, the speed, the recognition, really good closing ability as a tackler. So and you know all, all levels, the defense and, was and so you, good. You yeah. left him out. I think Whitehead deserves a lot of credit too. He still makes some mistakes, sure. But he's, I think, objectively way better than he was last year. I mean, obviously the first game of the season, falling out with the three interceptions. He's had a few miscommunications in the Dallas and the, and the New England games. Um, but, I mean, especially the last drive of this game, he made two unbelievable plays to close out the, the Jets' win. He almost forced a fumble on on Swift's touchdown catch. Feels like Whitehead. I'm, I'm noticing it was him a, a touchdown, lot more. though. It was a touchdown, yes, but he does. I don't know. This, this is one I might disagree with. I might disagree with this one. You disagree with me on Whitehead? You know, you're not going to give him props I, my, for the two plays? Oh, the, the last, last two plays, drive? for sure. Awesome. Uh, especially the third down one. If you, I posted the all 22 view of that. It's even more impressive than the, the broadcast looked. I mean, he came from way back to close right. that one. So those are great plays, but I mean, I think uh, outside of that first game, he has been involved in a lot of those coverage busts, like both right. of the I said. big touchdowns to the I tight ends. That, yeah. I think he's missed a lot of tackles. I don't know. I think he's been kind of back to last year version. I outside think of that underrated. first game. You're, you're I, I, I give him credit. You're two in the no. defense is playing good. It doesn't mean every single player. I'm not saying he's a superstar, but I think he's made some big plays and he put the stamp on that victory on Sunday in a big spot. So I'm giving him for sure. The last two plays definitely, I think, were great. I'm just saying overall, you know, they're you're not going to have you're not going to have an all pro at every single position in these last few games. Yeah, but you're not going to have an all pro at every position. You know, you have you're just trying to find guys. I don't think he's in. I'm not asking for all pro, but would you say he's a good safety? Similar to last year's Whitehead outside the Bills game. Where would you rank him amongst? I know we don't know. Starter. You blow average starter? I disagree with that. I think he's at least average with turnover upside. He makes mistakes. From the but... play you mentioned, the touchdown was like, I know it was a hard hit, but if he came in and tried to wrap up, he could have stopped it. But he put his shoulder down, tried to make a big hit, and then he missed he the tackle the and he scored. All right. Well, I guess agree to disagree on Whitehead. Uh, I have not watched the All 22 from this game like you have. So I guess you have a. Different. You have, you know, you have the premier all 22. You get it a day before us, but um, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for Whitehead. We'll talk about it a little bit more in, uh, in the pod later this week, uh, which I guess we'll have bi week stuff. So maybe we'll do a mailbag. There's a few like long term jet stuff that I've wanted to talk about, but I've been saving it for to talk about during the bi week. You know, first of which is extending Bryce Huff. How could the Jets do that? There is a way for them to do it. Um, I mean, outside of just they could just pay him and figure it out later, but. You know, Huff and Becton, just we'll talk about this later, but Huff and Becton are like 
two guys who are going to want big contracts after the year. You have the, this year's a bit of a, well, we'll see what it is, but this year we're supposed to be going all in with the Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers and granted the guys walking with no crutches already. So maybe this year will be the magical year we all thought it was going to be, but you've got contracts for sauce and, and Garrett and Jermaine Johnson and Brees looming paying Beckton and Huff. I don't know. It's, it's, it's questionable, but there is a way for the jets to do that and still remain cap smart. So we could talk about that um, during the bye week pod. But Huff quickly, we got to discuss Huff. I mean, barely even touch on him and he's probably like their best defensive player yeah, a, right now. He's a star edge rusher, man. I mean, the jets finally have a, a star pass rusher. I mean, that's, can't it's unbelievable. They're, doing it. they're doing it exactly what I was asking for. I said, Hey, like after the, the Patriots game, this guy, let this guy play more snaps. He's not that bad against the run. And then you're a genius. Three games in a row. It's no other He plays. His snap rate goes up because he's playing more early down snaps. And three games in a row, what does he do? Career high seven pressures against Kansas City. B2. Career high eight against the Broncos. Third in the league among edge rushers in pressures. And he's 55th still in pass rush snaps. So he's first in pressure rate, obviously, with that disparity. 30% of the time he's creating pressure. He's on the field for a pass rush snap. I mean, he has been out yeah, he's of unreal. this world. So I, yeah, it, this it's Jets at the defense. point where he's – Like, I was thinking about this earlier. If they announced today they signed Bryce up to five years, $150 million, fully guaranteed, would I be that mad? I don't think I'd be that mad. It's a big – Am I crazy? It's a big contract <laughs> to give out. Um. All right, we'll get, we'll get into that the the contract stuff during the bye. But yeah, I mean Bryce Huff deserves all the credit in the world. And look, this Jets defense, I think through the first three weeks, we were we were talking about are they maybe a little overrated considering we were getting comparisons to the '85 Bears and the 2013 Seahawks. And I think the last few weeks they've shown no, they're not overrated. I mean, look, we have to see it throughout an entire season. But what they did to the Bills on opening night, what they did to Patrick Mahomes on Sunday night football and granted they should have had three interceptions on Mahomes and potentially had a chance to win that game. What they've done to the Eagles. I mean, all three of those performances against three of the best right. offenses in the NFL yeah. and they've dominated them. I mean, it's also, they've embarrassed really the only game that they didn't play well in was Dallas. And even in that one, they did tighten it up in the second half again with those in-game adjustments, the Patriots game, they allowed one touchdown on a, on a broken play where Quinnen was out of the game. And besides that, lockdown i mean they've been as advertised i guess through at the bye week i mean if you were to tell me that they would have four interceptions or four turnovers of josh allen week one uh should have been three interceptions of Mahomes on sunday night football uh four turnovers against the eagles and honestly could have been five because that last play i mean this defense has lived up to the expectations yeah. we thought they would right i, I think um, the biggest feather in their cap right now the quality the competition like you said because that's the biggest criticism last year is you know who did you stop other than josh allen in those two games it was you know to be fair a lot of you know subpar yeah, offenses and back of quarterbacks but exactly um you know jacoby Brissett, um denver they had to play what was his name brett rippon kenny pickett yeah. was in there uh trevor simeon currently on the jet so that was the criticism last year now this year you know, some numbers might not be as high as last year in terms of like overall stuff, but then you consider who they're playing and how they made each of those teams look. That's what's really impressive. So now you project going forward. Now you got some more favorable matchups on your schedule. You got the Giants coming up. 
two weeks after that, you got maybe Brian Hoyer and the Raiders. Now they'll have more opportunities to flex how dominant they could truly be when they're in favorable positions instead of like, here's Jalen Hurts, here's Patrick Mahomes, here's Josh Allen. Yeah. You know, just bang, bang, bang in a row. And they're making all these guys, you know, you know, it's crazy that there have been all these turnovers in these games against the Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, and Zach Wilson's responsible for only one pick in those three games out of the nine that were thrown in those three games. So that's the biggest thing with the defense is they've been up to the challenge against these uh, great offenses and great quarterbacks. But another thing is they're taking the ball away. That's yeah. something they didn't do last year. They've got 13 this year, 13 takeaways. They had 16 last year, the whole season. So that's up. They're doing a better job catching interceptions, not a lot of dropped picks. I wish Sauce had that one against the Cowboys, but outside of that, they've been catching everything. And the fumble recoveries are up. That was, which is, you know, <laughs> I forgot about that. Mostly luck, part skill, but they've recovered 56% of opponent fumbles this year. Last year, I forget what it was, but it was somewhere around 20%. It was ridiculous. Um, so partially luck, but that's up, and they're creating more of those opportunities. Uh, so, yeah, the defense, it's you know had its ups and downs. Pass rush at times hasn't been as good. The starts of the game have been shaky. You know, every single, pretty much every game, they've given up multiple touchdowns, been down 10, but the second half, clampdowns have been out of this world the the second half 2023 jets defense can you can put up with any defense in football yeah. of all time i would say i would say just second half all right, all right six it, weeks it, through, it's pretty legitimate right. one touchdown one touchdown six games i don't know and, and they've played the tough schedule you're right prescott's really the only one that's got them uh and even he in the second half really didn't do too much yeah this is a big win i mean this is a big win for uh, like you i I tried to emotionally detach myself from this one entering because I was like, all right, no sauce. This is the toughest matchup. They're going to lose. They'll be two and four at the bye. You know, that sucks. But with the Rodgers injury, they have some winnable games coming out of it. They can get their season back on track. Um, but then again, if you lose a dumb game to the Raiders or you lose, you know, you know, we said it like you always lose games. You sh- Every season you have games that you should win that you lose and you have games that you should lose that you should win. And that Pats game was looming large because I was like, that is definitely a game they should have won and they lost it. And the way to make up for it is winning a game you should lose. And this is that. And I think this was just a big win for the morale of the locker room and to proving that they can hang with anybody and not just the the um, moral victory of like, oh, well, we ha- we hung with us, another Super Bowl team. We're right there with them. To actually beat them, I think that'll give them a ton of confidence heading into this middle part of their season in terms of what this team could be. They could go on a run, win a couple games here and be – Five and four, six and three, head on heading back up to Buffalo in a team that they've had three good performances against. I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll take it week by week. Injuries will happen. The Jets again could lose another game that they shouldn't. But I think this game was just big for the entire organization to prove really what they've been and saying. Buffalo, by the way, very, very beatable. Buffalo I mean, obviously beatable. The Jets beat them, but I mean, look at that. That Miami game on Black Friday could be could be huge. If the Jets take care of business these next few weeks, it could be a massive game between maybe the best offense versus the best defense. I mean, we'll see. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but this is just a big game for the organization and for the locker room and to keep their season afloat and more than afloat. I mean, three and three through the toughest part of the schedule. I mean, I think that's really what we were hoping for was maybe four and two, three and three. And with Aaron Rodgers, I think this seems five and one. So uh, just honestly, uh, I wasn't expecting a win. I will give you credit though, Michael, you did predict the win on the, on the preview pod. So Hats off to you for that. They'd win by six. I said, didn't I say 33? I'd have to look. Right. 
I'd have to look. Um, let's talk about the offense, though, and then we'll get out of here. Um, Zach Wilson, three games in a row where he's looked like an NFL quarterback, took some sacks, probably left some plays out there, wasn't perfect, but he's playing within the rhythm of the offense. His accuracy has been a lot better. Mentally, he seems to know where to go with the football, and less and less I'm feeling nervous every time he takes a snap. You know, the first two years of his career, he could not play within the rhythm of the offense, take the snap, and it would, you know, his back foot would hit. He'd still have the ball. He'd take his eyes off the the secondary and look at the pass rush. He'd be running around. Disasters would happen. That's not happening. He's stepping up into the pocket. Yeah, he got sacked a few times. I'm sure once I watch the L22, I'll find some open receivers. But he had a number of nice plays in this game that – will go unheralded either because the Jets didn't capitalize on that same drive. Like he had the nice deep bomb out of the shadow of their own end zone to Garrett Wilson, which was a nice throw. And he talked about giving Garrett more of those 50-50 balls, which he did in this game. He left one in the red zone a little high for Garrett, but I love that throw. That was awesome. The two-point conversion was a ballsy throw and displays that arm talent that we've been talking about, the the ability to even make that throw. He had that little flip to Brees Hall, which was awesome. Um, And there's a number of throws, even just the routine slants, digs, Stuff five, 10 yards down the field, which, yeah, are we babying him a little bit? Sure, but that's stuff he wasn't doing last year. And we've said it. We just want to get 20th to 24th ranked quarterback play. And after that New England game, there was a lot of noise about, well, just put Simeon in there because Simeon can at least give you something. can give you some competent level of quarterback play. And Zach is proving that that can be him, that he can do that. We'll see if he can take further steps. But I'm at least happy with the progress that we've seen from Zach Wilson all things considered, considering what he looked like at the end of last year, considering getting thrown into the fire, having his back against the wall, heading into week four, these last four, these last three weeks, he's he's starting to put it together. And we'll see if he can ride this confidence into the bye against some softer defenses. We'll see where he can take it, see if he can start to stack together more of those good games. Um, this game, I think he was fine. I'd have to watch the L22 to really get a sense on how well I thought he played, but he managed the game. He did what we've been asking him to do, and that's really what it comes down to. So, Michael, what did you make of, of Zach Wilson's performance? Yeah, I think he was okay, and that's pretty much all we're hoping for at this point. Uh, I'd probably put the Denver game over this one because I feel like there were more impressive plays in that one uh, because he, he had a few really, really good plays in that game. And this one, not a ton that really stood out, but at the same time, uh, I think what's deep ball to more get, important. What are you talking about? Uh that was a that was more catch than throw. It was a, it was a it that was, was a, good. That was a perfect throw. What are you talking about? That was perfect. In between the corner and safety, Garrett Wilson. Yes, he had to come yes, back over the, his head. He had know. to come back over his. Well, it was a tight window. I mean, there was a deep safety hovering right over the area. It wasn't like it was a one on one. It was. It was. You're solid. so what? I mean, we've been set. We're not asking him to be Mahomes. In what world is that even, a perfect throw? In what world is that a perfect throw? The fact that it was completed. <laughs> He okay. put it right between so, the corner and the safety, 40 yards down the field, right at the sideline. Garrett had to high point for it, but it wasn't like he had to really go he back. Jumped, for it. He mean, mossed the guy. He came back. And yeah, but that's him. still a where, – where, what throw. would be a perfect throw? What, what would be a perfect throw in that situation in your eyes? I have to look at it again, but – Yeah, but you're talking right. about, what are you – Go look at the play. That's Tell me not that's not a, a perfect it's, throw. It's okay. It's an it's an okay that's throw. That's an okay throw, Michael. Davis guy shot. You're too. All you're right. being too. The people agree with me on this one. No, not rewatch the play right now. Rewatch the play. I can't find could the video it, of it. Maybe, well, open up the highlights. 
maybe it could have been like another foot in front of him. But if you, if you think right the catch there. is that great, how is the throw good? Because the reason that doesn't the make any sense. That he's overcome. Yes, it does. The reason the catch no, is good sometimes is there are... overcoming the fact that the throw was not. No, that's not true at all. It was just a, a tough situation. Yes, it was it tight coverage. That doesn't as no. I didn't say there it was are... bad. I'm just saying. Okay, it's a 50, week one. Ball. Week one, the throw that he had to Garrett Wilson was a bad throw and a tremendous catch. This was a good throw. Maybe I shouldn't have said perfect. I'll, I'll extend an olive bridge. This was a good throw and a perfect catch. Tight coverage. My, where is he supposed to put that ball? Maybe, right, maybe look at another this again. Look at this again. Garrett Wilson is literally facing frozen. back towards the end zone when he catches the ball. Hold on, hold on. How is that a good throw on a vertical route? You don't think it's a good throw? It's okay. I said it's okay. Oh it's not God. bad. Okay. There's no safety over the top. It's just vertical. He underthrew it, and Garrett Wilson made a ridiculous catch. I have to watch two 15-second ads, so I'm going to need you to expound here before I can rewatch the play. My computer's completely right, frozen. So. But whatever. The, the main point is the fact that I don't really think it was too flashy, but he was consistent. He didn't turn the ball over. Again. What about the two-point conversion? Was it? Well, that was great. You Obviously, that, that was probably the what best about start the, of the game. Didn't really matter well, that much, but um, there's more so the fact that he didn't make any big mistakes. No turnovers. The free play. Um, the free play was flat. I mean, he gets him with the hard, turnover. Gets him with the plays. hard count. All right, all right. How much do, do we want to gas up the 186? You're not gonna. Points, yeah, but they, that was a. Percent. But Lazard's stupid block and penalty, which I don't even really think was a penalty, but whatever. I mean, I, you can go okay. back. And, that, that's it. I, they're that, not going to give him any credit for that hard count, free play, gets it to Garrett, gain of yes. 40 yards or whatever. Yes, there's credit for that. I don't, I don't know what more you you're want me to say. It's okay overall. You're a hater. Okay. That's all right. You're a hater. I'm not saying he's, you know. Come on. You don't think this is a good throw? Are you kidding me? No. Good is an exaggeration. You're out of your mind. He found the one on one. He threw up a 50 50, and Garrett made the catch. That's it. Yeah. He wasn't doing that his entire career. I'm sorry, dude. This is. It could have maybe been a. That doesn't make it good. There's a safety in a corner right there. I mean, that's a tight window throw. That's a big baller throw with a guy bearing down on him in his own end zone. You're not going to give him his, his flowers for that throw? Looks like Aaron Rodgers with that little release. Maybe like one flower, like a little. If he puts it any. He probably could have put it maybe a, a, a yard in front of him, but if he does that, maybe he gets blown up by the safety. I agree. Maybe a little hyperbolic say perfect, but if you're not going to say that's a good throw, Michael, I don't know what you're watching. That's crazy talk. Come on now. Come on. It looks like, look at that little release. Little if he doesn't the make the most ridiculous catch of all time, would you say it was good? You think that's the most ridiculous catch of all? Get out of here. You're that's, just that's, that's hyperbolic. Uh, out, yeah. An outstanding catch. Would you say that was a good throw? Yes. All right, I disagree. I don't know what you're watching. All right, let us know what you think. I mean, probably better catch than better throw, but to say that's not a good – all right, we're getting caught in the weeds here. What else did you make of his performance? Fine is what you're saying. You think Denver is flashier. I think he had as many flash plays in this game, but similar. You know, took some bad sacks. He at least took care of the ball better than he did against Denver. I mean, had some of those fumbles. None of them were lost against Denver, but – he took some big sacks and big shots in this one, and he hung on to the ball. So I think, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. He had no fumbles, like which he had the two fumbles last week. No, not only no interceptions, but I don't think anything was really close. There was the one to Cobb, but Cobb's got to catch the ball if he's a veteran savvy guy with the reliable hands. Um, but he took care of the ball. I, I think a lot of the plays that stalled out in the red zone after looking at some of the all twenty-two 
I don't think he missed that much in terms of things being open. A lot of it was just Hackett's concepts not working. So I think Hackett's, you know, Mr. Gold Zone needs to be a little more <laughs> effective with his play calling down there because a lot of it, and it's not even like poor separation. A lot of it is just like what he's calling is getting beat by the defensive coverage and there's nothing there. And then the pass protection, I think, was not great in the second half. First half, I think it was okay. Second half, there were definitely a lot of untimely losses. Like there were, there were some good pockets in this game, but there was also, you know, Becton had a sack given up. Mitchell had one and Becton, I think was good for the most part, but there are definitely a lot of plays where it was like, if they could, one guy could have just held up a little bit longer. Maybe something, something good would have happened. Um, so pass protection, a little cheeky. So I, I don't really think Zach Wilson left a ton on the field in this game. Um, so I think he's, I think he had a, a solid game. I'll say that there. Solid game. Hater. And also with Hackett, I think, um, you know, he did what we were begging for the whole week. A lot of first down passing. Uh, they threw on 70% of their first downs, which was, was, you know, credit to them. That's exactly what um, we wanted them to do. And and it was decent success. Um, I think it was about 65% completions, five about 5.2 yards per play. So you take that first down. It's a good way to start or drives off. Um, but second down is where they really had a ton of problems. They were under three yards per play in second down, ton of penalties, lost plays. And that was a problem on third down because most of them were almost half of them were more than 13 yards to go. Six out of yeah. 13 third downs, at least 13 yards to go. So yeah, third down is a problem, but a lot of times the third down was stopped before they even got to third down. So second down was the biggest issue in this game. Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, we can focus on the offensive line for a little bit. Um, obviously, Schweitzer replaced Tittman. How do you feel like he performed? I, know, I think he gave up a sack later in the game. He did have a penalty that stalled out a red zone drive. Um, but down two starters, I feel like this offensive line, like you said, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but this is a pretty amazing Eagles defensive line. So all things considered, I do feel like it was a good performance. But like you said, I mean – Becton got beat for a sack. Mitchell got beat for a sack. There was pressure in his face, but, you know, and it wasn't like they really got the run game going. But I think when you factor in that they're down two starters going up against maybe the best offensive line in football, didn't have Jalen Carter, I guess that's fair. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm pleased with this offensive line performance, at least compared to week two against Dallas. I mean, I don't know if, if I would say please. I mean, Carter is out. <laughs> He's like the biggest part. This pass rush. I mean, we we got to raise the standards a little bit. All right, what I'm saying. all right, all right, it's fine. You have watched the L twenty. I have not watched the L twenty two from this game, so I'll, I'll I'll lean to. But I can see that throw, and that's not a bad throw. But whatever. I didn't say bad. I said it was okay. Can it can it be right down the middle? Like it can be good. All right, good no, job. I came your way. I said I initially said perfect. You're right. It could have been a little further out in front. It's you're good up job. here, like ninety, and you came down to seventy five. No, I'm just gonna stay like firm 80. at fifty. Oh, lame. bad. Um, just because it's so shocking for us to see him complete a vertical throw. Like we're just <laughs> flipping out about it. Did you watch the other quarterbacks that the Jets have played? I guess Hurts I had did. the one to... Hurts had the one that... that see, that's Brown. what a good deep throw looks like. That's, no, that's a, a perfect... That's a perfect throw. This was a good exactly. throw. He gave him a chance. And more than a chance. It wasn't like, all right, I don't want to get spend too much time on this one play. Um... <laughs> The McCole Harmon storyline is bordering on hilarity at this point. The fact that Irvin Charles is playing over him. 
<laughs> so clearly Hardman is, I mean, maybe not clearly, but it seems to me that Hardman's going to get traded at the deadline. Irvin Charles, by the way, deserves his flowers as well. Hardy was another late inactive. He's going to be out a little over a month with that hamstring injury. And he's a stud special team. I don't mean to say anything. Charles looking as good, if not better, in that role. Um, so I'll be excited to see the two of them at the same time. It's no hardy shade, but Charles picking up right where they left off. He's been he's been awesome. And he earned himself some some reps on on offense, presumably for his blocking. We haven't really seen too much of him as a receiver, but what do you kind of make of their uh receiver usage? I mean, it was definitely puzzling to say the least. See that wow, Irvin Charles is out here and Hardman can't get out here. So I mean Hardman played a little bit, but it was just when Garrett Wilson was out. Uh, it's it's very hard to explain. I feel like maybe Hackett showed Austin Powers and Gold member to the team and Hardman was like, I don't know, man. This isn't funny. This is a pretty bad movie. And then and Hackett then just immediately took him out of the offense. Put, put him in the doghouse. Could be true. I think that they really value the fine detail. This is all guesswork but i'd say i think they really value all the fine details in terms of their rub routes their clear out routes the blocking and i i don't know for sure because the, the limited reps that harbin has gotten i feel like he actually has been pretty good at those details but it must be something in practice where they feel like he's the little details that he's messing up or maybe they just feel like gibson brings that jitteriness and they want to trade hardman and who knows it's all guesswork at this point but we'll see what happens at the trade deadline um, you also mentioned that Ruckert almost is right behind Uzama at this point in snap counts, which is nice. He's yep. very close one, to overtaking. One fewer snap in this game, so it's getting, getting close. Closer and closer and closer to the dream. Um, and Another thing we're getting Dal- close to is Dalvin Cook the- being all, all the way up out of here. It's getting Season close. low, three carries, nine snaps. Every game his snap count has gone down, so we're almost there. We're almost there. I would like to see a Banacanda. Cook gets his three yards and gets out of there. Although he did have, didn't he have a first down in this game? He had like that eight yard run All up right, the middle. Hey. He had a season Progress. high in this game, four point oh yards per carry. Oh, so he didn't do what was required to get a a jersey. He had to he get did not. how he many did not have, on three carries? On three, what did he need like eighty five. I think eighty five yeah. yards, something like that. So I officially will Damn. not be buying a Dalvin Cook jersey. Damn, it is it is your birthday tomorrow. So maybe I'll buy you a Uzama jersey instead. <laughs> <laughs> um all right i think jersey. that's what I, that's what i want although i don't want to jinx him what more do you think i guess before we get out of here um watching the red zone offense oh by the way we had we had rogers on the sideline with the with the headset we'll see how much input i don't know how much input he had on the uh the offense but apparently he was fairly active communicating with the coaches when you watch this red zone offense what's really plaguing it is it you know like they had that naked boot where zach is just running right into hassan reddick I'm trying to think of some of their, their red zone play calling, but what do you think the, the main issue is? I feel like last week they weren't aggressive enough throwing, and then this week it just seems like nothing was really either getting open and, and they were getting sacks and penalties. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was watching, I think a lot of it is pretty simply, like I said, the concepts just getting out schemed by the defense. But I think one thing that they should do more of is try to score touchdowns before they get there. I feel like we don't see enough shot plays where they're just outside the red zone or even like 15 yard line. Like we don't have to have a 15 play drive or 19 plays like the Eagles had on their first drive. We don't have to do that to score every time. Let's try and take the top off the defense. Um, And they had some opportunities to do that. I think there were some plays where 
you know, it was second and one and, you know, they would take a free rushing first down. Yeah. There were multiple plays where they would on second and one take a, you know, just, all right, we'll take that first down instead of like, okay, let's take a shot here because if we miss it, it's still third and one. You could run, even go for it on fourth and one if you want to. So I feel like they could take some of the, some more shot play opportunities. Uh, and, and there, and there were some that, you know, could have happened. There was even one play that was, you know, maybe in shot territory where Brees Hall is outside and he had a one-on-one with the linebacker and he toasted him. He was wide open. I, I said that in preview, we, we got to get more receiver reps for Brees Hall. Yeah. And, and this showed it like they put him out wide. He gets a linebacker covering him and he's just going to run right by that guy, which is what he did. Um, and Zach couldn't hit it. He was reading the other side of the field. He got pressured. Um, so I don't blame Zach for not hitting it. It was just, you know, a bad break. But at the same time, it shows, you know, Brees can create those opportunities and should be featured on those plays. So some of it, I think you could get more big plays so you don't have to, you know, go into the red zone, get five, six good plays in a row to score a touchdown. But, um, you know, the loss plays on early downs were huge because, you know, so many of these third downs are like third and 13 and it's third and 10, third and 20. So it's like, how do you, third and 23 they had on one of these. So it's like, at that point, you're kind of screwed already. So they can't have like the false starts and the holdings on early downs. Those were hurting them. And then second down running was really bad. That was something that, you know, they get to second down, maybe have, pick up a couple yards in first down, but then second down, they tried to run and not go anywhere. Now third down was pretty long. So, uh, so yeah, I think second down is an issue. More shot plays outside the red zone could help you, you know, take the load off of the red zone and not have to rely on it so much. So there, there are a few things, but I ultimately don't blame Zach Wilson for a lot of what happened in this game. Like when I was rewatching it, most of it was either bad pass protection, getting out schemed, or just being in, in an impossible situation because of a penalty. And there were some drops too. Cobb had that drop in the red zone. Then after the Lazard penalty play, yeah, they drop. went back back to Lazard and he dropped it. So that's another thing to know for Zach in this game. There were some drops, although it is balanced out by you know the catch that Garrett Wilson made early on that slant was pretty ridiculous. Oh yeah, that was a really high throw. Uh, he had another really good catch on a throw that was kind of behind him, underneath. So maybe balanced out a little bit. There were some big drops for sure. So yeah, I think overall Zach Wilson solid game. Like not. not it was a decent game, I guess I would say, because he didn't do a ton that was amazing, but like very not a lot of minus in this game, I would say. Even with five sacks, I don't think the sacks were too much on him either. Like he could have thrown a couple of them away, but it's not like I would say most of those sacks were him missing something where right. he should have had it. So it was an okay no, game. No, I mean, look, if he looks continues to be okay with zero picks, like they could win a lot of games playing the way they are. He at least looks like an NFL quarterback. You know, we're getting that 20th to 20th, fourth ranked quarterback play that we wanted. You know, I know it's low bar. You'll have to hear about a chime in like, here. Let's just say this like the last three games, if you combine, you know, Philly, Denver, Kansas City, that whole body of work, if he did that all of last season, I think they beat the Lions for sure. Jaguars, I don't know. There were some other issues in that game. But, um, I mean, what other, what other games did he, oh, um, the Patriots, Patriots both game, games? Definitely. Both, both games. games. So I think that those three wins you give them, both Patriots games and Detroit. So all of a sudden you're a 10 win team last year. So I, yeah. I think you're these last three games really starting to get the competency that you want. 
Yeah, I and mean, we'll see. They got to make. They got to be better in the red zone because I mean, look with this defense, maybe they'll be able to hold teams to less than twenty points every single game. But eventually, I mean, you're going to run into Miami twice. You'll get Buffalo again. Those division games are always hard. Eventually, you know, the defense will have a game where they have they give up more than twenty points, where they give up thirty points, and it's can this offense stay with them? And it really comes in capitalizing the red zone and capitalizing off the defense, off the turnovers the defense gives you. And I think Zach Wilson, you know, like. He's not been a good red zone quarterback in his career. He's not been a good quarterback in his career, but he's starting to make strides in the fact that they're moving the ball finally. I think when the field gets all condensed, you know, he's worried about making a mistake and he takes some bad sacks and then you're in second and long, like you said. I mean, it's the sacks and penalties, I feel like, are the story for their, for their red zone woes. But that's the biggest area of improvement for this offense. Is they're, they're moving the ball. They're finally not going three and out every play. Zach Wilson is playing quarterback. But if you're settling for three every time you get in the red zone – I guess you'll win some games with this defense, but you, how far can you really go with that type of offense? So that's really what I want to see after the bye. We'll have a, a bye week podcast this week, probably doing a mailbag. So we'll put out a tweet for that and we'll talk all the long-term jet stuff. And then we're, we're right back on it. So you can follow us. If you have anything else, we'll do the plugs. You can get to it after it. Um, Boston TYJ pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny and myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Check out some of the other Jets X Factor pods. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That helps us out a ton. Michael, last thoughts. Special teams. I mean, All right. there were some big losses there too. Um, with Hardy being out, Eccles being out, Irvin Charles came in. He had a big tackle. Aguavin had a big tackle. Only give up nine pun return yards and three returns. It's and a fair catch with the seven. Morstead continues to be an absolute <laughs> monster. Just like he's really good. It's not just like, oh, he's good for a guy who's old. Like, no, he's one of the best in the league this year. Just he's getting distance. Um, he's got it's not like he's out kicking the coverage. The guys are there to make the stops. He is has been very good in the you know plus range, trying to pin teams deep at you know, let's not just get it to the 15 or 16, like let's put him inside the 10. He's been good at that. Almost set up another safety in this game. Um, but Jalen Hurts was ridiculous escaping that Huff and JJ pressure. Um, so, yeah, the special teams, I really like what they did. Frank Boyer, baby. Of, I was going to say, what did you think of the green on white uniforms? Making their, Not only <laughs> making is. their return, but first we, we both were thinking back to – Wait, hold on. Honest, Here we go. Here we go. This Here was we go. Our, right. I have a feeling you're about Eric to say Kida. it. So just hold on. Here we go. I okay. have a feeling you're about to say it. I want everybody at home. I'll, I'll, give a, I'll give you five seconds to think about this. So we'll pause. <laughs> what was the last time the Jets won and green on? Is it? Yeah, just green and white in general, right? It's not just at home. Yeah. Yeah. Last time well, the Jets. Wait, wore, wait. Were there uh, at home? We know at home. I don't think they won on the road in it. Right. No. No, I don't think so. Well, originally, Michael, no, was actually, like, they, did. they did. There is okay. one in there. There is a green and white road win in there. And it's okay. one of the worst okay, wins for Jets fans. Oh, it's the Rams game. 2020. Yes. That's the last time they won. Okay. Well, originally, it was like, what was at the home. last time? At home, five seconds, yeah. 35. Can you think of it? Four, three, two, one. Raiders game 2019. You know how freaking long ago that feels? You remember we got, got kind of hyped after that. We got kind of hyped after that. We were like, all right, well, they won three in a row. We can go on a run here. And then they blew up against the Bengals. Then we had the tank for Trevor. I mean, like, that's so long ago. 
So I just thought that was funny. I mean, I literally never wear these unis. Maybe we'll get a little bit more of That's a, the last, was, Is that like their last classic blowout at or like clean blowout at home? I know they had the Bears last year, yeah. but they were down in that game in the first I mean, half. They had but, like wire to wire, clean blowout. <sighs> yeah, I guess so. By the way, Green and White makes its return. Thought it looked pretty good. I was saying I think the Eagles should it would be better if they were all white. You're saying all black. Or not, no, not no, with the black, it adds black. another color onto the field. Get yes. a little, you know, differentiation between the two teams. Yeah, you, like the, you like the 425 games on the East Coast? Kind of uh, I mean, it, I've been getting used to it this year. Like, something that's very rare for the Jets, but two weeks in a row now. Or was the Cowboys game also? Yeah. Four o'clock? Yeah, yeah, so three I, times this year. That's game is the only uh, one o'clock game they've had so far. Uh, I kind of I kind of like it because I like the chance to watch it because the alternative when the Jets play at one, I'm kind of not watching those later games because then I we do the podcast and I start like doing research and everything. But when they play at four o'clock, I can watch those one o'clock games and then uh, you know enjoy the Jets game. Well, sometimes you enjoy it. Um, although <laughs> yeah. I it is kind of late afterwards, like the, the, the yeah. podcast. Like, well, like I know we haven't done the pod. <laughs> We've been doing it the next day. Well, they have which is contributing to that, the four o'clock. Yeah, we, we have we have another one p.m. game against the Chi- the Giants, a regular, and then the Chargers is Monday Night Football. The Raiders is currently I'm looking Night forward football. to those primetime games. I mean, primetime Jets this I year. Think, has been good, I think good I think I think the Raiders. I bet the Raiders game gets flexed out to to a late window game. I would imagine. I don't so know. Both teams a, are five hundred right now. You think didn't so? Garoppolo just have a back injury or something. He did, we'll but see. they also play Chicago and the Giants before that game. Uh, so, isn't there a better the game that week? Isn't there a better game that week? What, is, what week is that? NFL schedule. Let me see. I, I, I remember looking at it and thinking, like, there's Check a that week 10 schedule. I remember Chargers, that's going to be a fun game. Chargers Monday night at home. Yeah, that will be a fun we'll game. We'll see right, what the Chargers week, have week to 10. show tonight. They could give it to 49ers Jaguars. Turn of that's, prime that's time at life. That's and the, what and the wristbands. There's a 49ers Jaguars game, and there's a Lions Chargers. Wait, which game. game did you say it was? 49ers there's Jaguars and Lions Chargers. All right, we've had enough of the 49ers. They're frauds. Those proof. Lions Chargers. Another Lions primetime game. One week after the, the Chargers were on already. Well, it would staying. be one week after the Jets were on if we were on. The only thing is, there's been a lot of Raiders already. That it makes me think they might do it. They've already had two, and there's going to be a third before that game. And all of them were at the, the Raiders, too. Where are the two games? They played Steelers. Um, Steelers Sunday night, and they played Monday night against Green Bay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and they play again on Monday night against Detroit next week. Yeah, it's getting flexed out. And then we do have another late window game know. against the, the Bills. We'll I'm going to that You're game. You're going. So you, you'd rather have a good Sunday night game? Well, being on the you West rather? Coast, uh, you know, it's earlier. So it's not like on the East Coast where you got to yes. grind it out. It's like to 11 o'clock and you try to get home. But uh, that, that would be an interesting experience. I've never been to a West Coast sporting event. So for like oh, a wow. quote unquote night game to be at like five o'clock would be interesting. All right. I think that'll do it for us. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I don't know. When, when do you want to do this next podcast, Michael? Friday, Monday. All right. Sometime in the we'll next see. week. We're, we're we'll very organized around here. But hey, here. three and three. All that. We'll, all that. We'll put, out, we'll put out a through. tweet. We'll three put out a tweet for the, the mailbag. 
Good to Put be here. the mailbag. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Three and three at the bye. Finally beat the Eagles. Everybody soak this in. Two weeks to enjoy Look this. Look at us. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Have a great week, everybody. Go Jets.